0: I wouldn't even know how to do that. What do you do? Just like walk up to random people and go, hey, blah, 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 sports. Welcome to Dynasty Sports Empire, the podcast, part of the DynastySportsEmpire.com podcast network dare I say, the flagship podcast of the Dynasty Sports Empire Podcast Network. We bring you the latest in sports and fantasy sports, which shall we say, a lighter approach to what most people consider a very serious undertaking. On the show today, episode ninety nine zero, recording on January 17th, 2023, NFL Super Wild Card Weekend Review, NFL Divisional Round Preview. Pretty simple, what we've got going on today. Let's get right into it. As always, I'm your host Jeff Roman, and alongside me tonight and every night is a guy who, along with me, did not go 13 and 0 on his picks this postseason. Tim Reinhardt, welcome. No. Tim.
1: we had a we had a bit of a tough a tough weekend, huh?
0: Well, it depends on how you classify. How do you classify the uh, the Cincinnati one? When we wrote it down, it was nine and a half. So I think that's what we got to do. That's it, right? that's how you got to do it. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, yeah. So chuck that one up as an L. So that's uh, two and four. Yeah. So not not ideal. Um not great. a couple close game I mean, good call on the Giants. I think that was the our, our best um, Yeah, that was our best call. Our best definitely. pick. But um not <clears throat> I mean Bill struggled, Rave or uh, Bill struggled, Bengals struggled a little bit without that fluke. Ninety yeah. nine yard touchdown return that probably should have been called back for a block in the back. Um it, You know, who knows how that turns out. Uh, Fluky win with the Jaguars. And then we just had no idea um, how dominant the 49ers would be against the Seahawks. Yeah, well, let's get right into it. Let's start with that one then. Um, Let's just go through it chronologically
0: and we can just touch on each one. um, A lot or a little if we want. I mean, the San francisco Seattle game uh, was the first one. San Francisco, 41-23. They cover as 10-point favorites. And this one was Seattle was leading at halftime here. Uh seventeen sixteen. They got a field goal right at the end and Seattle only mustered six points in the second half. And uh San Francisco had more than that. Again, I'm gonna start it off trying to do math. That's twenty five points in the second yes, half. Yeah. So had um they pretty much ran away with it in the second half. So um this one uh I didn't watch a ton of. I had to sacrifice one of the games for family. Yeah. Obligations. So, um, but it was tight and Seattle kept it close. And that, that was in line with what we were thinking. And then San Francisco just kind of
1: ran away with it. it, it the I mean, the, the second half wasn't even, wasn't even a contest. It just, it, uh, I mean, it, it seemed like, um, I mean, you know, I, I watched, we watched so much football this weekend that it was like, it, it's kind of all running <laughs> together, but like yeah. that, Third quarter, they only had uh they they shut out the Seahawks and scored seven points, but it I remember it felt like it was they it felt like they scored 30 points and Seattle somehow lost points. Like that that's right. how dominant they they appeared <laughs> right. coming out of the um coming out of the half. So um, you know, Geno Smith played okay, but not great. Um, you know DK Metcalf had a nice game, but I mean, what McCaffrey had over a hundred yards uh, Debo Samuel had over a hundred yards. like they they really just uh, it was a offensive performance uh, that reminds you just how explosive that offense can be. right. And I think you know Seattle's defense
0: has regressed a little bit from their midseason highs yeah um and you know san francisco kind of took advantage of that certainly in the second half at the at the end there seattle's and um after kind of a you know touch and go first half san francisco's defense you know basically pitched a shutout the the touchdown was at 152 left in the game so that's just right, basically it was... a garbage time touchdown anyway um throw that one out right. as far as you know, if you're if you're talking about uh, you know uh, scores that actually game, mattered, game was over game. by that point for
1: sure. Yeah, um, exactly. I guess there was a chance for them to recover an onside kick, and then they would have had to have gone for two and made it to sneak it into the um, into the range. Into the but like, y- yeah. you just knew, yeah, you were you were out when that. Uh, this was one that wasn't really once. Once second half got underway, uh, our pick for Seattle looked bad.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Felt good in the first half. The second half, that's a good. Well, especially when uh, San Francisco is a good the, team. When yeah. Seattle
1: scored that um, field goal right before the half, um, right. that was yeah, that was great. Uh, but I mean, the San Francisco defense that we talked about last week. Uh, being maybe not as not as stellar as it as it had been earlier in the season. Uh, it was it was back to its stellar form in that second half. Yeah, yeah, that was definitely. And you know, I think
0: when you play a team three times, you know, um, there is some familiarity which causes you know games as as I thought to be a little bit tighter. Um, but it turned out that you know familiarity um, breeded touchdowns for yeah. San Francisco in the second half. I mean, I, I asked you this question and maybe we'll, we can lead this towards the preview, but you know, Brock Purdy,
1: let me, let me look at his stats here. Um, I got Box, him right here. Box. 18 for 33, 32, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Like
0: I, I just don't understand. I guess I don't understand it. Not that Seattle was a, a, a very big test defensively. Um, but, you know, there's a bunch of guys who during the regular season who are young quarterbacks, you know, I'm not going to pick on any particular quarterback um, who have gone against, you know, bad defenses or mediocre defenses like Seattle and done less than this. Yeah. Like, how is he doing this?
1: Um, Dan Orlovsky's got some good videos on on social media that that gives, you know, some breakdowns of this. It, it seems like he's been... Um, coached up big time and like he's just making he's making all, you know I, I think it's a combination of um, good coaching in the sense of them like scheming up what is what he's able to do but also there uh, I was as as we were just starting like I was waiting for you to jump on for the recording like um, I was looking at this video where he's under center and the play is very clearly a, um, a a halfback pitch or tailback pitch to the left, and he is under center, grabs the ball, fires a, like, the entire offense is moving in that direction, except for him and I think it's George Kittle who is lined up in the slot, who runs a slant and picks up, you know, 10, 15 yards or whatever it is. So, like, he's been coached well it's it would seem to to do those kinds of things in this offense. And it kind of makes you like, I don't know, like what this is a larger question that we can tackle like later on. Like what is the future of the San Francisco quarterback position?
0: Yeah, that's gonna be very interesting to see what happens there um in the offseason. We'll definitely talk about that one in the offseason. Um, you know, is is it a Nick Foles situation with Brock Purdy or is it uh, you know, a Kurt Warner situation with Brock Purdy. Um, Nick Foles famously went back to the bench uh, for Carson Wentz, mm-hmm. and uh, Kurt Warner did not for Trent Green. Right. Um, so, you know, we'll we'll definitely see and talk about that one um, because they, you know, have a very fascinating uh, situation that they are not worried about at all. No, because they, they are winning games. <laughs> <laughs> keep, winning games. keep winning games. All right, so let's let's go to the next one, um, which was the third largest comeback in playoff history, uh, where Jacksonville uh, covered everything uh and won straight up 31-30 with a field goal at the end of regulation there. Uh 27 nothing lead by the Chargers evaporated uh under the power of Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence. I We'll own up to this one that I fell asleep in the second half. I watched plenty of highlights, uh, but I was like, you know what, this one's pretty much done. And I was like, I woke up and there was a game-winning field goal, and I was very disoriented. Yeah, <laughs>
1: um, it was wild because I, yeah, I, I was watching this game out for the first half, and it like nothing was going right. It was you know. Four interceptions, Four interceptions, five turnovers in the in the first. That, half.
0: that punt hit off that poor guy's top of the poor guy's head. Like I, I don't like if there was ever a sign that the game wasn't your game. Yeah. like a punt hitting off right off the guy's helmet. <laughs> it's just like okay, maybe it's just not our day. You so, know,
1: um, pretty incredible job sticking with it. Uh, serious, serious meltdown by uh, by the Chargers, and and really. Uh, in particular, I, I hate to criticize him because I, I do like him, but he, uh, Joey Bosa really, really uh costs his team there. Uh, in the last in the in the for- uh, final quarter, getting the two one sportsman like throwing his helmet to the ground that made it uh you know made it go for two, um or made it made them get closer so they could go for two after one of their touchdowns and that puts them in a position to lose to lose the game. Um, right versus
0: tie at the end,
1: yeah. But I, what I'm interested is so this is maybe especially because you you didn't watch as much of it. Like, what is your reaction to the aftermath now that um, is happening with the um with the Chargers' coaching staff?
0: Well, so they they fired uh, their offensive coordinator, Joe Lombardi. Joe Lombardi, yeah, yeah. which is like. Um,
1: what, why, what, like,
0: well, I'll do, I guess I
1: scored 30 points. seems
0: to me. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um,
0: however, I think if you look at, and I, rem- and I watched them a bunch this year because I did pick them to go far, but, um, at the beginning of the season and I picked them a few times and watched, watching, they're a very frustrating team to watch play. You know, they scored 30 points because they got five turnovers, right? They had five short fields, some extremely short. Um, and they don't throw, they throw it short a lot. Um, and I think they don't utilize Justin Herbert as much as they should, I guess. I think they could unleash him and he could be more like, you know, the guys that are slinging on Josh Allen is an extreme example because he throws it deep all the time. But, um, more than more than they do. You know, they throw it under under ten yards almost all the time. So I think that kind of game plan and they don't really have a running like a actual running game, a run the clock running game. Yeah. Um you know, it's it's not really in their forte with Eckler, but I mean, you know, you could pick Latavius Murray off the street and you know, if you have a real running game, you'll you'll be able to ice a game. So I think the scheme definitely didn't work. Um, he is a fall guy for yeah, for I, Staley. I think so. Uh, for sure. So Staley keeps his job and says, you know, similar to Robert Sala in New York. Yeah. Right. Fire the offensive coordinator. And if that doesn't work out, then you're gone. <laughs> so, uh, you know, Staley gets a reprieve, I think. I mean, you know, looking at it and watching it back, like, I feel like the biggest mistake probably Staley made was playing all his guys in week 18, you know, um, Mm. getting Mike Williams injured, probably hurt that offense more than maybe anything else. Scheme wise. Um, I just, I I looked at it and everybody was like, wow, this is an amazing comeback. And I just looked at it and and the Jaguars just scored and, and, uh, on every drive, which is remarkable. and, The, the chargers did not, there wasn't any magical turnovers or anything like that. It was just like one team scored and right, one was team just
1: get, getting beat is what it was. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Like they just like went right through them. So, um, and again, Staley defensive coach should be able to coach up enough talent on that defense. that they have to, to win a 27 to nothing game. Um, right. but I, I, I'm not, I think a lot of people are like, he shouldn't be back. on. Like, don't let him back on the bus. Like, I don't necessarily think that I, I think it's fine that they're giving him a reprieve here. Um, maybe, a, you know, a, a different offensive philosophy could present more opportunities for that team. Mm. Um, but
1: I'm still, I'm still skeptical, but I understand it, I guess. Yeah. I, it'll be interesting to see what, what happens when they come in. Cause you know, some, sometimes these things are philosophical and scheme based and other times like the coordinator is looking at what he has and is and is thinking well this is this is the best way to maximize the the talent that that I like what if we find out Justin Herbert turns the ball over you know 20 times if he throws the ball down the field like he does like Josh Allen does so Mm -hmm. Um, it's, uh, it'll be interesting to see how they philosophically move forward. And, and you, you said it, uh, earlier in a text that like, this has got to be one of the more attractive, um, jobs for offensive coordinators that's, that's out there.
0: Right. I mean, if you're looking for, I don't know, say Frank Reich, right. He's looking for a soft landing spot. Like this, this would be the plum job. I mean, this was the job that, that, um, that uh, sean payton was basically openly campaigning for to be the head coach there and probably general manager he probably wanted all the power yeah. and president of football operations or whatever um like this is a job that sean Payton won because they have a bunch of talent i already have a young quarterback and the w- young quarterback still on a rookie deal like i mean i think if you're looking for uh you know a, a job as an offensive coordinator this is like there's going to be a line like out the door right so if you're if you're the Jets and you're looking for an offensive coordinator, suddenly you're looking, looking second and third down the oh, line. Oh yeah, I for, mean, I think
1: uh, the there's well, I think there's six teams that need coordinators uh, now. So like they are yep, yeah, uh, and th- this has to be the top the top job. So right, um, and
0: you're calling plays, right? Like you're you're working for a defensive coach who's not going to call offensive plays. Right. So you're, you're calling you're, plays. You're, for all intents yeah. and
1: purposes the head coach of the offense. Yep. Um yep. yeah, I think uh I mean before we move on, like not to overlook like the Trevor Lawrence resilience uh coming coming back mentally after throwing four interceptions um yep. has to be you know among one of the more well it's it, not impressive that he threw them, but it's impressive that he was able to <coughs> excuse me to bounce back from that. So um, I'll tell you uh, that that Doug Peterson man, he can he can scheme up some plays. That fourth down play, the Travis Etienne um, right. <clears throat> run off the right edge. Uh, I guess that was taken from a uh, a Nittany Lions, Penn State Nittany, Nittany Lions game earlier this year, where they iced a very similar situation using that play, oh, wow. which is kind of cool. Like. I like yeah. when you when you hear like NFL coaches basically like scouring like YouTube for like, yeah, fourth and one plays and then finding finding these or like what the Chiefs did a couple weeks ago with that ring around the rosy play. And like, you know, clear that that was somebody must have seen that at a high school game or something <laughs> like uh, right. and adapted it. But I, yeah, I think it's um he's uh he's going to be a tough if not this year um he's going to be a tough out in these playoffs just because he has a lot of good offensive talent um and he can scheme it up really well so um we'll get to that when we get to next week's games but Jacksonville they're a, they're a dangerous it's a dangerous team
0: right yeah i mean i think you know, the to go back to the Trevor Lawrence point, I think one of the things that I th- I think is lost, and this is this goes back to the Purdy conversation too, is that it's hard for us as outsiders to evaluate between the ears kind of stuff. You know, yeah. like, like nothing really rattles Trevor Lawrence, right? Mm-hmm. He doesn't look rattled ever you know, it's kind of like a pretty much the same effect all the time. Um, so, you know, having that level of, of calmness and confidence, like uh, is very foreign to me, but you can, you know, I think it's so important in these players, especially, you know, quarterbacks who is everything is, is landing on you to not feel like crushed right at at four interceptions and doubled you know start doubling and 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 doubling and tripling down and and making it worse um i think that's a remarkable uh kind of uh mental trait in in a good player in general and definitely specifically to a quarterback i trying to remember uh there was like i think it was like the national championship game when he was a freshman and he had to come in um and he just like threw the ball all over and like looked like he looks now like completely calm and like you know obviously he has a rocket arm and is really athletic but also i think those mental traits really really matter
1: well, when it comes down to it it's it's really a great demonstration of of that mental side of the game when not just him but the the flip side of it which was the Joey Bosa incident right. um so like one guy is able to have a short memory and do like focus on here's what I need to do to get my team. Like, this is our goal. What I need to get, you know, get ourselves to that goal. And then the other is a meltdown that is inconsistent with what those goals are. So it's, it really is a good, um, demonstration of both sides of that. Right. Exactly. Yep.
0: Um, all right. So the, the next game after that, so that was, that was it on Saturday. Yep. And then, uh, the early game on, uh, Sunday was Buffalo surviving Miami and Skylar Thompson, um, by three Such
1: a weird game,
0: Such a, a very weird game. game. Uh, Miami led in early in the second half. Um, they led, it, it was 24, 20 or early in the second half after, uh, yeah. after a scoop and score. Yes. Um, on the bill's first possession by
1: Miami. Okay. Um, well, I, I texted you this. So it's, it's really like, so I, I was going to do it as a trivia question, but you probably already know the answer. Uh, the look at the yardage in this game. It's, it's fascinating. The, the Dolphins scored 31 points on 230 yards of offense. That, that, I, I don't even like – I watched the entire game start to finish. I still don't know how it happened. Um, right. <laughs> the Bills yeah. had 423 yards of uh, total offense. They had uh, – how many How many throws uh, over 20 yards did Josh Allen have in this game? I, I, I It was like every play he was throwing uh yeah. was bombing. Throwing, throwing yeah. a long bomb. Yeah. This game should have been 60 to nothing, and right. somehow it was 34-31. Well, there was—I mean, the turnovers,
0: right—is the great equalizer. So Allen had two,
1: but so did Thompson. Yeah.
0: yeah, but I believe I believe those—you uh, know—kind of turned the tide in the second half. So if we're talking about you know the beginning, before the tide kind of turned, um, yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, just look at it like yards per attempt, six point eight versus three point eight.
1: It's it's uh, it's yeah. they they nearly doubled the offensive output of their opponent and only one by three yeah. points. And it was like tight at the end there. <laughs> so it yeah. just reminds you about like you I guess, you know, we we talk about it with baseball a lot. Like, you know, you can do everything right and like still making out. Like this this game was dominated in every aspect by the Buffalo Bills. And it wasn't uh it wasn't an eat, it wasn't a snoozer by any you know if you just saw the those underlying stats you would have think that buffalo covered that what was it 13 and a half um, yep. spread and uh, clearly they they did not so um, right. especially especially in the second quarter when
0: miami had the ball and they settled for three field goals in a row there to make it 17 to 9 you're like okay like they got to get touchdowns not field goals if they're yeah. going to win this game um, but obviously then they, they did end up getting a, a touchdown in the first half. And then, um, you know, the, uh, strip sack in the second half. So I think, yeah, and they did, I mean, they the last, it's just, it's just strange because the last score was ten fifty five left. Um, Jeff Wilson scored to make it 30. One thirty-four, and then there was no other scores other than that so there's just kind of a lot of uh a lot of movement between the between the uh like 40s or, or in the middle of the field know, yeah in the middle of the field um <sighs> and it's not, you're right it's definitely a weird one not
1: like buffalo wasn't trying they they were trying to score um all the way up right to their second last yeah. possession so
0: yeah yeah, I mean, this one came, this one came down to it, you know. Um, you know, I think some sometimes Buffalo seems like they they play with other teams a little bit too much. Uh, this one, it didn't seem like they're playing. I think they were just they they did a lot of those long bombs, and obviously those are high risk high reward, right? So if uh, Khalil or Shakir catches that one, uh, they're down at the five yard line versus like a three and out, right? So that's kind of like the boom and bust that their offense
1: can be. And there was another one that turned into an interception rather than right than uh, either incompletion just on a 50-50 ball. So, like, yeah, there are a couple of those there.
0: Yeah. Um, So, you know, obviously we'll talk about it, but this sets up an excellent matchup Uh, this week. All right. So the next one was uh, Giants 31, Minnesota 24. In Minnesota, this one we got right, I think, you know, Minnesota – I think Football Outsiders called them a historically interesting team, one of the worst playoff teams they've ever seen. Yeah, uh, only I think one of nine to have like a negative DVOA. They're like twenty second, twenty third in DVOA. Um, but the two seed, yeah, faced the Giants and didn't at home.
1: Sneak into the playoffs? <laughs> they like did not sneak into the playoffs. So yeah, uh,
0: this was their first loss on the season uh, in a one, in a one score, score game, game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that equalized, that came back down to earth pretty hard for them there. I mean, this one kind of played out, I guess how we thought a lot of offense back and forth, back and forth. It kind of felt like last team with the ball kind of thing, or first team to get a stop kind of situation yeah. win this. Um, and the giants ended up getting it. I think they, uh, you know, to their credit, they played well. and Daniel Jones played well. Great- and, uh,
1: Good. I was just gonna say he played great. Uh, I, I and again yes. another another offense that like they can scheme it up. They they have figured out ways to move the football, and they could be dangerous um, moving forward.
0: Yeah, I mean, a, you know, a quarterback that can another quarterback who's very athletic who can run it is you know similar to Josh Allen. It felt like all right when we need. Uh, yards, like they went to Daniel Jones yeah. running play. Like, um, And when Buffalo needed yards, they went to a Josh Allen running play. So um, they're going to be, I think these two teams were two of the weaker teams currently in the NFC. Um, I'm very interested to see the next week's matchup for this. Anyone else on anything else on this one? I guess I'm not, you know, we picked the giants.
1: so not a huge upset. I I think we saw what this was. Yeah. This game played out almost exactly as we thought it would. So, yeah.
0: I mean, fundamentally weak Minnesota team uh, over uh, overachieving, but, you know, still good. I think to, for the, for the giants to actually, win it yeah. away from home, uh, you know, first time head coach, first time playoff quarterback. Uh, so, you know, the first time playoff quarterback versus the quarterback, uh, veteran quarterback, um, jinx doesn't doesn't work out in this one. The one thing that I did think was, I don't know, interesting, but, uh, you know, game on the line, fourth and eight, and they throw a three-yard thing to Hawkinson was very strange to me. I think I, te- I might have texted you about it. It was just so like kind of jarring because it was just like, what? Yeah, <laughs> it just felt like it wasn't even like, oh, he's two yards short of the sticks and it's set up for a, a run, or, you know, a catch and run or whatever. It's just kind of like, OK, you got to beat this guy, then run for five yards while all the rest of the team is is bearing down on you. So, yeah, that one was a very weird choice by Cousins. But maybe knowing Kirk Cousins, maybe it's not so weird, I guess.
1: Well, and I think he was getting... I don't remember who the uh, defensive lineman was that was bearing down on. He was definitely getting pressured. Um, yeah. Which, I don't know, goes to another question as to why, like, there's not some kind of play there that Justin Jefferson's getting the ball. Like, you know. Right. Um, so it, that that all the way down the line seemed odd.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. All right, so let's go to uh, the last one on Sunday night, uh, which is Cincinnati being Baltimore. You you teased it, but Cincinnati struggled with Baltimore. Baltimore probably, you know, I think the Buffalo game, if you look at the Buffalo game, um, we talked about it. I feel like the um, Bills kind of ran circles around uh, Miami from a yardage perspective. But in this, in this one, uh, Baltimore, Pretty much yeah. had the advantage here in in yards and yards per attempt and and uh, yards per carry and everything. Um, they they gained
1: them by over a hundred yards.
0: Yeah, uh, until that one fateful play uh, where Huntley uh, tries to. So you know, they were lining up for the quarterback push, the the quarterback push scrum that the Eagles have popularized this year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're from like the one and a half. So it wasn't a, you know, it was like a little bit longer than you usually see on these. Uh, and Huntley jumped for it, which, you know, in a push, you shouldn't jump. Right. Then it ended up looking like a rugby situation where they they hold the guy up. So he was stuck in between the people pushing him in the back and the people pushing him in the front. And he was just up there, not didn't have the ball far enough because they were too far to reach over. Yeah. And. It got matumboed out, and just it just happened to plinko and drop to, uh, to a to Cincinnati player, and obviously you know run to ninety eight yards for the touchdown. Um, you know, block in the back, notwithstanding. Yeah, it seemed, uh, it seemed
1: like that was a uh, a block in the back. which also like you you watch that replay, and it's like there was three Bengals. Like, what are they doing? Just like, yeah, they're all, they're all, all just celebrating. Running, like, turn yeah. around. Yeah, head on a swivel. Who's coming? And yeah. and stand yeah. in their way. Don't like. There's three yeah. of you. Form a <laughs> convoy. Anything, but do what you were just doing. Uh, I mean, yeah. Um. Yeah. So that was a, obviously a, the big fluke play. And um, what do you make of the J.K. Dobbins comments? Because that he he seemed to, uh, go scorched earth in. Um, criticizing the play calling and his usage, and it seems like he wanted the football in that scenario. He wasn't even on the field. Yeah, I mean, yeah,
0: I, I think J.K. Dobbins looked really good. He was like looked great. Like he had a lot of pop for a guy that's definitely still injured. Um, and, I mean. I mean I love that the push play. I think it's like 90% effective or something. It's yeah. like incredible. Uh it's not stoppable. And so I don't I don't mind that they did it. Um they were a little maybe a little far away to do it. So maybe a, a traditional running play might have been better. And I don't think it was third down either. I think it was second down. Um so they had it, you know, they had another play in them at least. Uh you know, he knows better than me. You know, every, every guy wants the ball. So I don't, I don't, I think there is, you know, with the whole Lamar Jackson, uh, contract situation, there's something afoot there, you know, the vibes are not good. I would say Lamar Jackson obviously missed the game in kind of a contract holdout, uh, imbroglio kind of, you know, I'm going to put a little meaningless pressure, you know, PR pressure on the team. Um, so, you know, I think that is kind of, uh, that kind of brews up, uh, places for guys to just take shots at the team, I guess.
1: Yeah. It, it doesn't seem like a, uh, one, it, it does seem out, like out of character for a Ravens, um, right. Locker room. Um, but it's something that, you're right. Something is not is not right here because he goes public with all that. Um, Lamar Jackson posts that like interesting thing on, on social media about like, yep whatever, if you have something, you, you don't let it go or whatever it is. Um, I, I don't, I don't know what all this portends for their future. Um, but what I do know is is I agree with you that something is is not right because I I don't think that well like look uh, I'm looking at the the run breakdown like Dobbins had thirteen uh thirteen carries and four touches out of the backfield so he touched the ball seventeen times I mean you drafted a running back in the second round like this is and then Gus Edwards got, uh, thirteen touches. Like that's that shouldn't be happening. So, like that J.K. Dobbins should have two thirds, if you know, three quarter in in the playoffs here, assuming that he is healthy enough, which he intimated that he is. Um. So, but then to go as public as you did. And say things like, "If we have Lamar, we win." You know, we're winning that game. Uh, which not only like questions coaching, it kind of throws Tyler Huntley under the bus. So, like, what's right. uh, you know what, what's happening behind closed doors? There is, um, I, I don't think it portends well for the short term future of of the team.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I think. You know, to defend Tyler Huntley, I think other than that catastrophic failure, which is part of his job is not to have a catastrophic right. failure, like but football, he played yeah. pretty well. You know, he played, you know, better than I had seen him play. And I've had him starting on my fantasy team recently because I've been desperate. So I've been watching closely. Like he's played better than he has before. He had a pretty good game yeah. as far as what I thought. Um And I think the the also the end of the game was so odd in this one because they were driving down 7, right? Yeah. So they, you know, uh and they're really moving the ball and they took like two plays in a minute. I understand they're trying to not score so fast that they give any time for Joe Burrow and that offense, but you still have to you still have to score and they got a holding penalty and then you're second and 20 from the 35-yard line with 20 something seconds left and now you're now you're really out of time right they they spent so much time yeah. focusing on using up all their time they ran out of time right if they had just like done a normal hurry up and you know worry about the scoring first and then how much <laughs> and how much time is left later um or when worry about how much time is left when you're on the one yard line like yeah. or on the five yard line when you're like about to score um, but they were not that close to scoring on already huddling up and taking a long time and they ran a, a run play, like an off tackle run play randomly and then just let the clock keep running. Um, it was a very odd sequence at the end and obviously they did not score because um, it got into fourth and 20 and with well, the ball was actually in the Hail Mary situation was like inches away from yeah, being nearly caught. being a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> uh despite that. So um just a really weird ending, um, which goes to kind of coaching, I think. Uh so it could be another reason that JK Dobbins was a little little upset there. Not that he should be getting the ball a lot in a, a situation like that, but uh Gus Edwards did run the off tackle, you know, with like thirty seconds left. So yeah. um it was just very it was just weird. It was weird. Questionable they, you know, questionable decision yeah. making. Yeah, so. it was weird, and and usually we 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 see that from you know uh, Zach Taylor, Cincinnati's coach, or Mike McCarthy, or something. Not the Ravens are usually you know not the best, but they're usually pretty good at it, and it just wasn't. It was weird. It's, so they it's lost a tighter you know? ship it's, than than what we yeah. saw. Yeah, yeah. All right, so the last game, which was you know, uh, someone described it said, "What's the." Opposite of an instant classic. That was the one, last night. a where, clunker! Yeah, cl- clunker. Yeah, uh, Dallas won thirty-one fourteen. It wasn't even really that close. Uh, we were on Tampa Bay. I think Ugh. I was expecting a better Tampa Bay. I thought they were getting healthier, uh, but Tom Brady was
1: bad. Uh, I, I just looked Tampa at Bay's the staff, defense was bad. I, I yeah. didn't quite. I. I... Fell asleep on this one. He threw the ball sixty six times. My goodness, (laughs) that's not. Yeah, I mean, they just threw it in the second half.
0: They threw it a million times. Well, I guess they were down. Um, Yeah, you know, but they still got they still got outgained. They still got outgained. Um,
1: More passing yards, obviously, for Tampa Bay. But right, but I mean, any anybody with uh, with a pair of eyes um, saw this was. Just dominance from the get go, Um, yeah. I mean, as soon as they uh, went—I'm
0: sorry, Tim. As soon as they went uh, fourth and one, you know, at like the two-yard line or whatever, Mm. and they went for it and did the like, yeah, uh, yeah, the naked bootleg, and it was like a a waltz in. I was like, oh boy, this is gonna be long. Um, That did not bode well for Tampa Bay. Like Tampa Bay's defense, I thought was gonna do better than this too. They were, they got you know, they got worn out. They got, they didn't rush the passer. Dak was just sitting back there having the grand old time. Dak was running like this was quote unquote vintage Dak. And I, I think I, I fell into the Tampa
1: Bay trap. They've been pretty bad all year and they were pretty bad in this game. Yeah. uh, They, they were not, they were not good. Uh, I heard something today that they were like had the 25th, uh best offense in the in the league. Um I still thought that somehow this would be a close I think we overstated or over read into the week before uh Dallas game where they they yep. look like what Tampa looked like last night against uh the the uh commanders. So I think we might have overstated that a little bit and um uh understated whatever uh Tampa, how good Tampa Bay was so uh, what are you going to do we picked it wrong um yep i, I mean it, it, it you know that you're watching a clunker when the thing you're hoping that happens is Dallas scores another touchdown to see if the kicker is going to make the kick right, <laughs> right. Four, four missed extra points in a row oh, and man. then uh, finally made one the fifth
0: one uh, missed them all differently, too. So, obviously, trying to do different things. I uh, kind of felt bad for the guy by the third one. Because, uh, obviously, the players on the sideline were uh, not happy. And, you know, people were calling for him to be cut and stuff but like, like that, so. so,
1: that that I found interesting. Because like, they were... Um, yeah, people saying, like, Dallas is going to have an... I think Troy Aikman said it during the game. It was like, from where? Like, where if there was a better like who who at who at this point is available like there we're the you're, you're gonna add a kicker to the team at this point like i, I just don't i i think w- once you're in the playoffs you're you're kind of you're, you're bringing the uh the date that you brought whatever that line is i don't know yeah. what it is but like yeah. you're you're not i don't think you can go out and get another kicker at this point um and he was ridiculously good this yes, year. He's one season. of the better kickers this this whole season. Like, I think,
0: uh, yeah, to, yeah, I, I did. You know, I think that's the similar. I mean, Brandon Staley thing was a little bit different, but just thinking about like just reactionary stuff that we do when we're watching sports, especially football, because the the number of games and it's pretty limited. It's like one thing, one game happens. It's like the end of the world, and um, you know, it didn't cost him the game. It was kind of funny. It was embarrassing for the guy, you know. Yeah, like, I think he's probably going to be fine. The uh, <laughs> like, that's just the Manning fine.
1: cast was interesting to watch because uh, Peyton Manning was having like a a visceral physical reaction to to the missed kicks, <laughs> and we know how much he loves kickers. You yeah, know, right, he, right. He's a big kicker fan. Yeah, exactly. So all right, all right. Looking, looking... anything else? I don't want to talk about that game anymore because it was no, terrible. Right, um, we talked about it too much already. Yeah. So,
0: anything else? I guess on the weekend that you want to talk about before we go to the looking ahead.
1: Um, uh, let's. Well, all right. Let me. This is a different different topic entirely. But um, it, before I know, we like to finish with the with the look ahead. Brief little like college football, NFL uh, story that we texted about over the week. Like, yeah, let's do is it. Is there are we going to be near a moment where a player like CJ Stroud, who waited until the very last possible moment to declare for the draft is going to be financially incentivized to stay in college. So, I mean, I think, yes, it's already happening in basketball.
0: Um, If you look at the guys, the, this, you know, uh, NBA basketball is a lot different than college, I think. Yeah. Um, In that, you know, NBA is a lot of, they draft a lot on athleticism and upside. And, you know, like I think, um, I forget his name on North Carolina, Baycott, I think is their center. Mm -hmm. You know, he's like a big clunky guy. He's a, a good player. He's a great player for college. Like he gets by on size and, you know, some post moves and he is a great player for college. But You know, he's not a big time uh, NBA like draftee. Like, but in in past times, he would go because being a second rounder and being at the end of a bench on NBA is better than, uh, you know, college if you're getting paid. Right. So now I think uh, big time basketball players, big time names, maybe not big time draft prospects are already staying. And I think the main difference for me and why I never thought CJ shroud was still going to stay is that for quarterbacks, the payday is the second contract, right? Yeah. Like I don't think that NIL could, could match a top first round talent as far as money is concerned. And especially a quarterback, you're looking at that second contract where you see Deshaun Watson money, you see what, Kyler Murray is getting guaranteed and like that is you want to get to that second contract as soon as you can and you look at you know especially if you're um you know uh, not necessarily CJ Shaw's not a running quarterback but especially if you are you know that the clock is ticking until you take that injury that changes your yeah the way that you play so Lamar Jackson right he he is negotiating hard because this is basically going to be he's not going to get necessarily another chance to have a big contract. Right. Um, so I think the NL money has changed a lot of things and it already has changed. Um, and I bet it probably will change, uh, players in the draft already, but it's going to be second rounders, third rounders, stuff like that. Um, so I think to answer your question, yes, it will change decisions. And I think it already has, Especially for guys that are big college stars that n- won't be one in the NFL or won't be one in the NBA. Um, and I don't think it's going to touch the first rounders, especially at skill positions. Okay. Uh, yeah. where, where they get paid big money
1: down the line. Does that answer your question? I think that, yeah, I think that's my uh, similar take. And I, I guess we'll get to this more when when the draft when the season ends and the draft starts to be our conversation, the fact that he waited as long as he did to me suggests he got some not so good news about where he, where people are thinking he's going to go.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, I think that's the thing. It's like, well, he doesn't want to go to Houston um, because now Houston has a second pick and maybe somebody's going to jump ahead of Houston and pick Bryce Young. That's the implication, I guess or or Indianapolis is going to pick him or you know yeah well i meant like is he going to fall oh you think that you think well i mean i think yeah there's two there's two ways you, you can think about it one you don't want to go to a bad team but if you're a good quarterback in college a great quarterback you're going to go to a bad team like sorry man <laughs> like that's just right you're that's you're, just the way it works
1: unless it's a fluke <clears throat> excuse me a fluke thing like yeah it's not yeah it's not going to matter. So the, there's no way you can compete with like top five money. Um, like with the, you know, the total value of the contract, uh, yep. the signing bonus, etc. cetera. Right. Um, if you go a little further down the line though, like if you're talking, if he's getting news that he's not a top 10 pick and he feels like he could go, uh, somebody's, Whatever whoever's in his ear is saying, you're going to go between 10 and 15 where your signing bonus is at most going to be 13.5. You could potentially see an economic scenario where they say, look, we'll, Ohio State in this case says, look, we'll, we'll find $6 million for you here. Uh, and next year, you're not going to go 10 you're going to have a third year. You're going to be another Heisman Trophy finalist. You're going to go top three, where that signing bonus is $24, $25, 27000000 million. Like, so I wonder if he was, if, if there was some kind of talk with him uh, among whoever he has advising him on that front, not about what team you're going to go to, but what, um, What's the money look like where you may be drafted? Yeah, I mean, I
0: think that's it. I mean, there was something going on, right? You don't take that long for no reason. Yeah. Bryce right? Young declared you just, like
1: the moment the bowl game ended.
0: So Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like there there was something going on, and I think the whispers were like it seemed like kind of a negotiation. So I think, you know, either either that where you're talking about, he's going to go lower than he expected, or, you know, he looks at Indianapolis and he looks at Houston and he's like, I don't really want to go there, but you know, it's going to be a new crop of bad teams next year. And it's going to be a new crop of good quarterbacks next year, Caleb Williams, or, you know, whoever else, you know, in
1: coming out of the draft that he has to compete. Right. With. So uh, um, there, there's the, also the UNC quarterback is, is up there right. too. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I I don't think you know I don't think it's necessarily a slam dunk that hey you're gonna be you know if he's not top five this year which I would be surprised if he wasn't top five this year um, I don't know if it's even a lock that he's gonna be top five next year right he could get hurt he could you know have a a bad year and you know all of these things absolute yeah uh, risk are are possible and I think you know the the right not right I'm I'm saying right but if you're trying to maximize your career earnings. Um, you're going to want to get through your five-year rookie deal as soon as you can and play well so that you can get a big contract at the end of it. Um, so I think the sooner you get to that without catastrophic, catastrophic injury, uh, the better. Um, so I don't know that's maybe That's I'm coloring that with my opinion, but, um, you know, if you're looking to maximize the career dollars, um, even if the dollars like this year may be similar, you know, that doesn't escalate as fast as the NFL contract would escalate. Right.
1: Yeah. Okay. All right. That was just an aside that uh, I thought of.
0: No, I I, I think the the way that um, NIL is changing college sports so rapidly in so many different ways is very interesting to me. Um because I didn't didn't think about, you know, college basketball, for example, that it would keep guys in college, right? Um, instead of going to the NBA because, you know, then you're in the G League and you're riding the bus from, you know, Saskatchewan to, you know, that's the CFL, but you know, a small town in Michigan, right, for the Detroit G League team to a small town in Indiana for the to play the Indiana G league team, you know, versus, you know, playing sold out gyms, uh, yeah. you know, with, you know, and being a big man on campus. Right. I think, you know, there's, there's guys that prefer different things. And I think the it's evening the playing field more, which is um,
1: good. It's, it's definitely having like it's in college football, it's having the impact of like, sure. Yeah. Like chase, you know, th- there are programs that are, that are, Chasing the money and like uh, <clears throat> recruits are changing left and right based on what NIL money is coming, and then there are others like it. They've not not outwardly said it, but um, like Ohio State has, it seems like taken the stance like, yeah, go ahead, go to Texas A&M. Like that's fine. Uh we'll we'll turn our like you you're a wide receiver. Go like you want to go chase the money at Texas A&M. That's fine, but um, just look at last year's draft first round and you'll see where the real money is. Like they're, they're, that Ohio state's taken the stance. We're not going to be able to offer philosophically or whatever, offer the same level of NIL as other schools, but we will get you in the first round. Like that, that seems to be what their negotiating tactic with some of these recruits are. So it's like, it's odd. It's been an interesting market to see develop. And it's, I think developed in a way that none of us could have like seen. Um, when when this became like, I thought this was going to be like, uh, uh, Ch- you know, Chase Young being in a Dr Pepper commercial, like that. Right. That's that's the extent that I thought we would see, and it's become something entirely different.
0: Right. It's yeah, and it, I think it, you know, un, it's unregulated as well, which you know, ca- kind of causes a wild wild west situation. Right. <laughs> um. Plus, with the transfer portal, so guys are just you know. Guys can transfer guys and gals, um, can transfer as they should be able to transfer. Um, but it just makes it so you're into this portal, which is kind of like a, you know, free agency basically. And people are, you know, kind of tossing money around trying to get, uh, you know, you recruit, you know, not just once, but you recruit every year basically for, for every player. Yeah, <laughs> so it, really is. it seems to me to be exhausting. Um, if you're in charge, uh, But, uh, you know, the the financial uh, stuff is um, great for these players. And I think, you know, places like Ohio State offering a different path, like I think that's important for these guys. Right. Because you want to have places that offer different things for different people who are interested in. Different stuff. If you want playing time, you can go somewhere. If you want money, you can go somewhere. If you want prestige, you can go somewhere else, right? So I think having that
1: opportunity and that options is important, right? Uh, I, uh, a hundred percent. Like, and I just think it's it's interesting to watch. Like, the fact that we even had that conversation about CJ Stroud uh, means the whole the whole game has changed, or the ballpark is is different, or whatever. So, yeah, absolutely. And it's going to continue to change. Yes. Yes. Yeah. All right. So talk me through. Let's do better this week. All right. I'm with let's you. Do let's do better this week. Yeah. Let's see if we right. agree 100%. On <laughs>
0: if we agree 100%, we'll know we're not going to. Yeah. Do um, all right. So let's start with the first one. Jacksonville at Kansas City, Kansas City, eight and a half point favorite here. Uh, that
1: is our first game on Saturday at four thirty Eastern. Um, I'll take the Chiefs minus those eight and a half points. I think um they're just the better team. Um, I know like to look out for the Jaguars, but I I do think the Chiefs are are ultimately the better team, and um the Jaguars still own the fact that they were the team that played the first half of that game. Um, and so I, 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 think there's, um, not a comeback to earth moment, but, um, I think the, the chiefs do cover that, especially with the okay. week off going into this game. Right.
0: I'm with you. Um, I understand that, but I am actually not with you on this one. Oh, okay. I'm looking for Kansas city is five, 11 and one. Uh, against the spread yep. this year. They have had a lot of big spreads, and they haven't really covered them. So I'm going to say that they win and don't cover this one. Um, mm. I think Jacksonville is obviously good enough. Um, this one is going to be high scoring, 53 points on the over-under. So I think Jacksonville scores enough points and maybe a backdoor uh, touchdown to, to get this within – Eight and a half. I still think Kansas City wins. Um, if you're teasing it six points in under the three, that's probably the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh,
1: I, I think I think Jacksonville
0: gets that gets that eight and a half.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I uh, listen. I said what I said. You know, I said a few moments ago, like they they're, they're going to be a tough out. I, c- I can totally see it. If I had to rank these in terms of confidence. Um I think this one would be would be last. So Yeah. yeah, fair enough. Um I'm not disagreeing with your handicap either. Yeah. Um, I mean I think, it's it's you know, uh this yeah. The 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 algorithms are very good at making these, <laughs> making yes. these threats. So they, yeah. they know what they're doing. So
0: the next one on Saturday night is Philly uh against the Giants yeah. at
1: Philly. Phillies favored by seven and a half after the after the off week. Um, I will do what you did uh, for the other game and take the Giants here. I think they are the scary team right now. Um, if Daniel Jones is playing um, at the top of his game, uh, they could be dangerous. And and if I'm not mistaken, they Played the Eagles a couple of weeks ago and had their third stringers in and kept it pretty close. So, yep, um, you know, not that past performance is uh, indicative of anything in the future, but I think the Giants are going to give them a game. And I initially saw this at seven, but that extra half point makes it even that more appetizing.
0: Yep, I've already put Giants plus seven and a half okay. in there. Um, I think that extra hook makes a big difference. And, uh, I, yeah, I just think divisional teams, Philly hasn't, it's going to probably take Philly a little bit to knock the rust off. I think they get through, but it's not going to be pretty and the giants will keep it close one way or another. I think in this one, um, all right. So Sunday early three o'clock Eastern, uh, Cincinnati at Buffalo. I'm just glad that we get this game. I, you know, as much as I was, I like to see upsets. I didn't want to see Miami play again. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't want to see Baltimore play again. I wanted to see Cincinnati play uh, Buffalo again. Buffalo is now favored by five points,
1: open three and a half, now five. This is interesting because I think the Bengal, not that anybody needs extra motivation, right? It's the playoffs and and all that. Um, I think the Bengals have a legitimate gripe about this game being in Buffalo. And when they came up with all – because when they came up with all the scenarios after the uh, DeMar Hamlin game, this scenario was overlooked because we don't – I mean, if if that game is played to its conclusion and the Bengals win, they are a higher seed than the Bills. So I think they are going to be motivated – in, in that sense, and um, come out and win this game on the road. So, I think that they they have the, you know, us against the world sort of mentality. Um, it, it, it's obviously going to be, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, this is the game where DeMar Hamlin comes back onto the field. Like, it would make a lot of sense because it was, you know, the same two teams and everything. Um, so there'll be a lot of emotion involved in it that way. Um, but I do think the Bengals have that just extra motivation uh, because they, they feel they've been shortchanged and having to go to Buffalo here.
0: Yeah. Five points seems a lot of points for me in this game. Um, feels like a field goal game. One where the other last team with the ball kind of game. Um, so, you know, give me the five points with Cincinnati as well. I assume you're taking Cincinnati. I, I Cincinnati think they're going to win the yeah. game outright. Uh, so yeah, yeah I'm yeah. taking them. Um, yeah, I think I'm just, th- these two games on Sunday are like delicious to me as yeah. a football fan. I think, um, the two games on Saturday are kind of like the team with the buy with the, against the team with, you know, that's happy to be there. Um, but the two games on Sunday are just absolutely, uh, just pitch perfect. I, I can't wait to watch them. Um, I'm just glad that we get this game um, again and uh, Cincinnati Buffalo. So this one is just, um, I'm looking forward to it, but I, I think, yeah, it's the fact that it moved up to five is remarkable to me. So I'll take
1: the five. Yeah. Um, uh, that, that seems, seems like too much. Yep. Yeah. All right. So the last game is
0: uh, right out of the nineties uh, playoff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I feel like we watch this one in the NFC Championship every year. Uh Dallas at San Francisco. San Francisco favored by now three and a half.
1: Uh what do you think about San this Francisco? One? Um I think that's the team like like we talked about, they can scheme it up. They they have the defense. Um you know, Nick bosa uh got an argument to be defensive player of the year, so I, I, I think they have too many weapons between McCaffrey and Ayuk and Samuel and Kittle like it's just too many weapons that uh, the 49ers have that the Cowboys are gonna have to account for and um, so I, I think on account of that uh, San Francisco and and that it being you know on the road and um, I, all that I think San Francisco wins and covers at three and a half.
0: Yeah, I think uh, actually you can get this at three at FanDuel, which I'm probably going to do right after the show. Um, I'm on San Francisco as well. My only concern here is this is the toughest and most aggressive defensive line that Purdy has faced. Mm -hmm. If you look at who he's faced, it hasn't been exactly a murderer's row of defenses, um, and he's been great. Uh, Not to take that away from him, but this is going to be kind of another test, especially with um, when you saw kind of how well Dallas used Micah Parsons and their other talented defensive linemen to get Brady off his spot. Um, obviously, Brady is not moving even as well as Purdy, who's not, you know, doesn't move that well. You know, he's not no Lamar Jackson out there. Um, so I, it'll be interesting to me to see how Purdy responds to this defense. Um, and I still like San Francisco here. I think. They're better coached, they have more talent, and they have a better defense. Um, the only thing I would look at is that, you know, San Francisco still might be able to be taken by um, passes over the top. You saw DK Metcalf score a 50 yarder. Yep. Um, so that might be the weakest part of their team. So if they uh, wing it deep uh, to Gallup or T.Y. Hilton, even yep. for Dallas, that one would be an interesting interesting approach. They give them some quick points. So uh, I'm really excited for this game as well. Uh, so I just wish they didn't start it at the dinner hour.
1: Um, uh, yeah, so that's quite. that's right. With only the two games, they switch it to the 3 and the 6.30. Yeah, man. I just really don't. That, that's awkward um, timing-wise. But anyway,
0: I, they know what they're doing with regards to yeah, they, putting they these control games. the but... they control the day, not you. You don't yeah. mind. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um all right. Let's see. I think we've we've talked for long enough here. Yes, we have. Yeah. Uh anything else before we get out of here, Tim? Um so just to we are opposite on Yes, we are opposite on let me let me see it because I wrote it down. We are opposite on uh Jacksonville KC. That is the one Yep. Jacksonville KC is the only one we are opposite And on. the other one's were... so we've both got the Giants plus uh, seven and a half versus Philly okay. Cincinnati plus five versus um, Buffalo and San Francisco minus three and a half versus Dallas. So someone's going four and zero, oh and someone's going three and one. That's right. That's <laughs> exactly, exactly how it should go. So, all right. Yeah, that's it. All right. All right. So let's, uh, let's get out of here and I already know what to do. All right. So keep your eyes glued to the divisional round playoffs, and keep your ears glued to Dynasty Sports Empire, the podcast. We'll talk to you next week. you yeah, next week. Um,
1: I don't feel like these like the games on Sundays, like when we were younger, were always. I feel like it's a recent. Um, it's, definitely, it's like definitely. changed the time. One and four to three
0: and six thirty. Yeah, that's a that's a fairly recent thing. I. The 1 and 4, I love the 1 and 4, um, but I think they, they move it back to maximize the uh, the time they can get, get. I think the early, early 1 o'clock ones don't have as much people uh, love as, as slightly later, so.
1: Right. I mean, I understand do it, but I don't, who has, I don't care for it. Who has... She buys a Saturday, Saturday afternoon. Yeah, Fox on Saturday. Evening. CBS and Fox. So appears to be done. Yeah. 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 It'll be weird not hearing like Bateman and um Buck anymore. If they if they yeah. really don't have any more games. Maybe they have a Super Bowl. Who is yes. Super Bowl? I think Fox has a song, yeah. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. That's strange. Yeah, it's gonna be as long as it's not Al Michaels in the Super Bowl. Yeah. That was, I I didn't really pay that much attention to it, but I guess like.